by anointed preaching. Will you put your hands together and welcome to this pulpit, Evangelist Jackson. Praise the Lord, everybody. I tell you what, I'm feeling super. Come on, somebody. Anybody feeling super out there? Everybody stand. Everyone stand in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I told y'all last time, I forgot to tell y'all this, but us saying super reminded me about it. I was in, whenever I was in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, could you believe while there, there was a precious Jamaican lady there all the way up in Saskatoon. I mean, this is like 4,000 miles. I mean, this is up yonder, hallelujah. And I was eating okay there, but then when I saw her, I was like, now you you cook, <laughs> and uh, I had I had a quote unquote Philly cheesesteak the day before, and it was very disappointing. But when I saw her, I saw some hope. <laughs> I said, "Now, now, do you cook uh, curry goat, curry chicken, oxtail?" She said. Yes, would you like me to make you some? I thought you'd never ask. I would just love that. I told the pastor, we do not have to go out to eat. She says she's going to cook for us, and I'm telling you what, Jamaican food is my favorite food. Behind, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to disappoint you, behind Louisiana food. But, but Louisiana and Jamaican food is like right there. It's like right there. Flavorful spices. Come on, somebody. Nobody knows. Flavorful spices. And so I just wanted to, I was like, man, y'all blessed here. Amen. So so I'm talking about the cultures everywhere. I mean, I go to I go to Alaska, you know, they got Jamaican food in Alaska. I'm like, come on, man, how y'all got it up here? Hallelujah. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. That was and I was blessed. I'll I'll never forget that. Amen. That's just good food all around. Amen. And uh, I was preaching a few months ago somewhere, and uh, whenever I was done, a woman came up to me. She said, Brother Jackson, I was very nervous when you got up in that pulpit and started talking. I said, well, why is that? She said, because during your introductory remarks, she said, you, I thought you were a librarian. Then she said, after you started preaching, then I started feeling better. So I apologize if I sound like a librarian right now, amen. Uh, the preacher's going to get on me in a little bit. But I tell you what, I'm so thankful for what God has been doing in this wonderful church. Such a great presence of the Lord. What a great openness uh, to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. Uh, just I appreciate so much your hunger and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate your love uh, for your pastor and pastor's wife and family. Aren't you thankful for the leadership God has given this wonderful assembly? Amen. They've been, 
They've been they've been spo spoiling me and uh, Sister Kyle cooked this gumbo yesterday and that was just the will of God, Amen. That was just and so I've been spoiled. They've just the fellowship has been amazing, and I give honor to them. I love and appreciate them. This chorale team, singers, musicians, this wonderful choir. Didn't they do an amazing job, Amen? Leading us into the presence of God. Uh, why don't we open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Give honor to my beautiful wife, Louisa, and my son, James Asher. Amen. I just, I just started this year finally pronouncing my wife's name right. It's Louisa, but our whole marriage, I've called her Louisa. And it was just habit. You know, I was raised in Louisiana. That's how, you don't say Louisiana. You don't say Louisiana. No, no. You say Louisiana. So when I got when I got married to Louisa, everywhere I'm like Louisa. That's my wife, Louisa, and she never corrected me one time. But there'd be some other people that would come and be like, you know, you're not saying, especially Spanish, some Spanish uh, brothers and sisters. They're like, you know, you're not saying her name right. I'm like, I can't help it. It's it's Louisa to me. It's Louisa, Louisa. And so she's, she's just embraced that. I thank you for that, honey. Amen. Seventh year of marriage, I finally got it right. Amen. <laughs> Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 1. And I uh, pray this will be a blessing to you. Um, you know, I, I feel that, you know, I, I've come here in the will of God and uh, not just for this church, but just for me personally, uh, God's doing some things in my spirit. God's doing some things in my heart. It's not a coincidence that as God is working on me and shedding things off of me and pouring things into me that I would come into this atmosphere and be in an environment where God can do a work in me. And it's almost like a mutual blessing, really. That's really what's happening. And uh, I just feel so thankful to be in, in the will of God here this week. Uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains." Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. I want you to go to verse 15, last scripture. Verse 15, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed and, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I, 
draw my thought out of verse 6 where it says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, and I want to talk about that, he saw Jesus. I want to talk about that. That's my subject. He saw Jesus. And that's what I'm praying that happens in this place here this morning, that we would see him because he is here. Why don't you lay your Bibles down, everyone? Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Let's ask God to do exactly what he wants to do. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the glory of God that is resonant in this building. Do something special in us. Move in us in a mighty way. Let a spirit of deliverance come into this place. Touch my mind. Touch my heart. Touch my spirit. I'm completely dependent on you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Can you clap those hands to the Lord? My word. Come on, if you have expectation, can you clap those hands a little bit louder? Come on, if you're really excited, the Bible says clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on. Come on, somebody open up your mouth and give glory to God in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. He saw Jesus. The first thing that you need to understand about this man, because the first thing we think about when we hear stories like this man being possessed with the devil, the first thing we do is exclude ourselves from this instance. Oh, I feel like preaching already. The first thing we do subconsciously is we detach ourselves from this individual as if it could never happen to us. First thing you need to understand about this man is that this man was a child of God. He was a Jew. He was a Hebrew. He was a part of the people of God that had been set apart from every other tribe. There was a distinction on his life since he was born. The hand of God had selected him from infancy before he was formed in the womb God already knew him and knew his name and I know the Bible doesn't say his name but God knew his name before his parents ever uttered his name over his life God knew him in eternity before he was ever came into time God knew him before his parents knew him God knew him before his grandparents came together his great grandparents God knew him he was a child of God that had been selected by God to do great things not to fit in with the crowd but to be set apart for greatness he was a child of God but somewhere along the line this child of God something traumatic happened to him and in that trauma it became a door for the enemy to come in and possess him the enemy stands at the door and 
any moment to come and try to, to impact you negatively, to try to possess your mind, possess your spirit. Where do those spirits of fear come from? Those thoughts of fear, it comes because a spirit comes to put those fearful thoughts in your mind to make you do something out of the ordinary. Where does that anxiety, those anxious thoughts pop up? It is a spirit that uses circumstances that comes into your life to come and try to inhabit you with a spirit of anxiety where you're nervous to drive. You're nervous to go to the store. You're nervous to do everything. Come on somebody. You're nervous. You, you, you don't look both ways before you cross the road. You look six or seven times because you think if something's ever going to happen it's going to happen to you. And if anybody's ever going to die in a car wreck, it's going to be you. That's because there is a spirit uh, that has been trying to influence you, uh, to try to destroy you. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful that God is able, uh, in the midst of the devil's attack, uh, to be able to come in the middle of it uh, and disrupt his plans? It's a spirit. These spirits look for avenues to come and dwell among you. It looks for anything, anything that you look at, anything you listen to. He'll come through what you see. He'll come through what you hear. And he'll come through what you're connected to. Come on, somebody. You didn't struggle with doubt until you linked up with that person that always speaks doubtful things, that always speaks, come on, somebody. Because some people's spirit can get a hold uh, of you when you're connected to it. Uh, but the Lord in this revival uh, has come in the spirit of deliverance uh, to cut away everything uh, that will keep you from your destiny, uh, that will keep you from your purpose. Come on, somebody. You gotta allow the spirit uh, to be a two-edged sword. Uh, you gotta allow the spirit uh, to be a hammer. Uh, you gotta allow the spirit to be a fire. To consume. The enemy was looking for a way to, to, to get in. Come on, somebody. You get off the phone and immediately you're, you're struggling with the spirit of discouragement. My Lord, you weren't discouraged before you answered that phone call. But somehow through that wireless connection, you heard, you heard them say some stuff. And the enemy used that phone hey, to come right into you. And you begin to doubt the plan of God and the anointing of God. There are spirits uh, all around you that are trying to impede your thoughts uh, and impede your activities. Uh, and somewhere along the line, this child of God, uh, it fell, fell prey uh, to the enemy's attack. I don't know how he came in. Uh, it might have been through the abuse of a child. Uh, it might have been when he was abused as a boy uh, or abused. I, I don't know when he came in, uh, but all I know is that the enemy was 
looking for a way to take it. Can I tell you, the enemy doesn't start his attack when you come into consciousness. As soon as you come out of the womb and you breathe your first breath, the enemy begins to strategize, begins to lay out a plan for your life to try to destroy you. Can I tell you, the enemy doesn't have mercy. He looks at you in your innocence as a baby and he comes after you. That's what the Bible says. King Herod, he wanted to kill Jesus before he was even two years old. Jesus never healed anybody yet. Jesus never touched anybody yet. But the enemy had a plan. They went in for him at two years old. I said the enemy's been after you since you were an infant. I said the enemy's been after you since you were a baby. I said the enemy's been after you and he has tried to place circumstances in your life as a window to intrude. He comes in. He comes in because he wants to affect your heart. And somehow when you're raped as a child and when you're molested and when when you are taken advantage of, oh, Lord, when you go through all these battles where you're not raised with a father, help me, Holy Ghost, when you are raised with just mama in there, or you're raised without a mama, or you weren't even raised by your parents, you were raised by your grandparents, that is the enemy looking for a way to put things into your spirit, because you know what it starts teaching you, it starts teaching you that you can't trust anybody it starts teaching you to not respect authority it starts teaching you come on somebody there's some things that get implanted into your spirit with the intention to take you off course and to take you off the path that's why you 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 tense up when you feel like people give you direction help me lord that's why you tense up when somebody tries to give you counsel because you say who are you gonna tell me what to do. Ain't nobody gonna control me. We're not trying to control you. We're just trying to guide you because you have a destiny. But because of your past, you, you perceive guidance as control. I said the first attack in the Bible, the first attack in Genesis, the first attack of the devil was when the devil convinced Eve that her authority was not there to protect her. Her authority was there to control her. That was the first attack in the Bible when the enemy convinced Eve that God wasn't there to protect her, but God was just there to control her. He said, no, God's just holding you back because he's afraid you're going to be like him. And it, it, something got born into her spirit where she made a decision that would affect generations. Come on, somebody. How do you handle authority when they try to protect you? say I don't think you should go there because you got kids that's going to follow in that path and they're not going to serve God but look at you you tense up they say no you're trying to control me no that's not control we are trying to protect you because there is a seed in your womb that is ready to be born to change the world if you will allow it
But just from the beginning, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, if you look up the smartest person in the world, the person with the highest IQ in the world, the person with the highest IQ in the world, you know what he does? He does he's done nothing. He's the smartest person in the world, highest IQ, and he's done nothing in his life. You know why? Because his daddy left him when he was in high school. And so he started having problems with authority and then he went to Stanford on an academic scholarship and when he went to Stanford the dean called him into the office because the dean had a question about his financial aid but because of that boy's disrespect for authority he thought the dean was targeting him so he dropped out of school and he never became anything why because in that moment of abandonment the enemy came in and try to sabotage his future. I've come to stand in the gap this morning for people's futures that have been sabotaged and say in the name of Jesus you're going to be everything that God said you would be if you allow the spirit to move in this place. Can you clap your hands if you believe that? Can you lift up your voice if you believe that? Certain things begin, certain things begin to creep in. I know what I'm talking about. When I was abused as a child uh, for the first 11 years of my life, beaten physically, uh, psychologically, emotionally, uh, when I was beaten and broken, uh, I tell people I never hated the man, uh, but I did learn to hate myself. Uh, I hated what I saw in the mirror. Uh, I believed everything that he told me, uh, that you're nothing. You should have never been born. Uh, I hate you. Why don't you just die? Uh, why don't you just commit suicide? Uh, you're a failure and at five years old I'm hearing all of that six years old I'm hearing all of that I'm making straight A's in school but if I make a C on an assignment I feel like a failure the enemy had come in and tried to sabotage my confidence at an early age and said I'm going to get him and I'm going to try to maneuver him to where he commits suicide I'm going to try to maneuver him where he could come under the shackles of the world where he could come under the influence of maybe drugs of maybe immorality I'm going to use this abandonment to plant something in his spirit because I'm afraid he might answer the calling in 15 years he might answer the call of God in 16 years so I gotta sabotage him right now I thank God that through the power of Jesus that he stepped in and he thwarted the devil's plan and he Because of that, because of that abuse, I had some things that began to attach itself to my spirit. I was afraid all the time. I was scared. I was scared I would die in a car wreck at any moment. It felt like that I deserved that you're not hearing me right now. I'm preaching real this morning. Can I tell you, that spirit followed me even when I started evangelizing. You're not hearing me. I was scared to drive. I was scared to fly. 
because I thought the devil was going to kill me at any moment and I thought that God would be disappointed in me because I didn't pray two hours I only prayed an hour and a half so I thought God would kill me just like my daddy wanted to destroy me I thought my heavenly father was out to get me I was scared to go sightseeing I was scared to have fun I was scared to get in an airplane I did it but I was afraid when I first started then all of a sudden the love of God was shed abroad in my heart and he began to tell me no I love you unconditionally and I didn't come to just give you life I came to give you abundant life I came to give you power I came to give you authority I came to give you dominion and you don't have to sit back and take it from the devil I put power That's why, that's why David, that's why David fell. You want to know when David fell? He fell because something from his past began to manifest in his heart again. That rejection from his daddy and that rejection from his brothers, it created in him a tendency to seek the appeasement of women. It created a tendency in him to feel consoled by multiple women. You're not hearing me. It came out of dysfunction of his upbringing and now all of a sudden he failed and he fell in sin with Bathsheba but it started a long time ago that's why he said create in me a clean heart notice he didn't say God restore my heart no he didn't say God mend my heart because he knew that his whole life his heart was tainted because of all that he's been through so he said God I need you to reach down out of heaven and just give me a new heart just give me a new heart as if it never happened as if the divorce never happened as if the trial never happened as if the pain never happened give me a new one hallelujah hallelujah child of God enemy came in began to try to take him off course. The Bible says that he began to dwell among the tombs. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. And he had, the Bible says, no man could bind him. No, not with chains. There were people in his life that tried to bind him and said, this is what you need to do. You need to read a personal development book. You need to read the three easy ways to be blessed. You need to come on, somebody. You need to get your human spirit. You need to use your mind to bring your spirit into snow. They didn't mention nothing about Jesus. They were just putting more chains on him. You need to get an education. You need to get an education to get out of this. Oh no. I'm sorry, honey, but there's surgeons and doctors that are committing suicide today. Education is not the answer. You need Jesus. Jesus is the only answer that can come in the middle and begin to turn it all around. They 
trying to put chains on him. Listen to motivational speaking. Listen to these motivational speeches that say nothing about Jesus. But get your human spirit. I'm talking to you right now. Go ahead. Get a degree. You'll feel better. Get two doctorates. It'll be better. But still, as they put those chains on him, it could not take out the spirit. He had an inclination to do the wrong thing. He had an inclination to go in the wrong path. He needed more than a good idea. He needed more than a good word. He needed the word made flesh. He needed Jesus because Jesus is the only way that we can get deliverance. try to bind them. They try to bind them. Everyone tries to bind you with their opinions. Do this. Do that. Read this. Read that. Read this. Read that. Do that. And you go and you come to church and you come with all these chains on you. All these chains of perceptions that hinder you from seeing him. That hinder you from getting to him. That's why the Bible says that you got to cast down imaginations and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of come on somebody you don't have the power to deliver yourself you can educate yourself out of deliverance no you need I said you need Jesus you need Jesus you need Jehovah Raphna your healer Jesus you need Jehovah Nisi your victory Jesus, you need Jehovah Shalom, peace, Jesus, everything that you need is in the name of Jesus, and when he comes in, he can deliver. Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. He was bound with fetters and chains. He needed Jesus. Notice, he began to break the chains of others' opinions before he came to worship. Notice, they tried to latch on to him. And before he worshiped, he began to take those things off and say, none of these opinions are going to help me. What I need is a word from the Lord. What I need is a touch from the master. My, my abuse, my abuse put me on a path where I said, you know what? I'm going to start giving my life to basketball. I'm going to give my life to this sport. And I gave my life to this sport, basketball. While I'm going on full scholarship to the College of Central Florida, basketball. Gave myself to that junior college, the number one junior college in the nation. You go there a year or two, major universities recruit you out of that junior college. You play your junior and senior season at a major university. 
So guys that were on the bench, they went off and played Division I basketball. Guys that didn't play a minute of JUCO because we were winners. They were signed in Division scholarships, and that was the path I was on. My abuse put me on that path because I said, I'm not receiving affirmation from home. At home, they hate me. At home, they don't want me. So I'm going to get so good with my gift that I'm going to get hand claps and applause whenever I play basketball. And I love the sound of every time I made a basket, they would clap. Every time I dunk, they would clap. They would get excited. I love the prestige. Why? Because I lacked that as a child for 19 years. And I had put myself abuse. It directed my path. I thank God. Wow. I was on that path. All of a sudden, God somehow maneuvered for a Bible study to be on that campus. And they started talking about being born again of the water and of the spirit and they started talking about getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost evidence of speaking in other tongues and while abuse had me on that path God came right in the middle of that path and he began to turn everything around and I gave up my scholarships and I answered the call to preach why? because I didn't need another affirmation I just needed Jesus I just needed Jesus I'm on my higher because I found out all that affirmation couldn't take the pain away. It couldn't take what daddy did to me away. It couldn't take the fear away. It couldn't take the anxiety away. It couldn't take the hurt away. No, I didn't need another scholarship. No, I didn't need another degree. No, I didn't need all of that. I had I had good grades in school. No, but that wasn't helpful for me. Jesus gave me what I needed. And then when he gave himself to me, he said now Victor I want you to give up basketball and I want you to preach my gospel to the nations I thought to myself God how am I ever going to do that I've given 11 years of my life to this sport and God said that was a shackle that wasn't a sport now that I'm in your life hey let me do what I need to do and you come on somebody and you're going to have to put the chains down and say I'm walking with Jesus I'm following Jesus I'm going to Jesus. <laughs> they tried to shackle him. Tried to shackle him. They tried to say, you need to do this, you need to do that. And when you do it and you're still suffering, they give up on you. They exiled him to the tomb. Where people die. He was already having suicidal thoughts. He was cutting himself with stones. Now, every day he's looking at tombs saying, I wish that was me. And when man gave up on him, it's amazing how when man, man gives up on you, they feel like God's done with you. <laughs> they think God's done with you just because they gave up on you. 
They tried to heal Lazarus, but when Lazarus wouldn't get healed, they just went and put him in a cave. When you don't meet people's expectation, they just put you in a cave. And they close it and they say, God's done with him. I'm so thankful that God doesn't need the opinions of others to get his will done in your life. I don't care if you come here with suicidal thoughts. When you see Jesus, he is able to turn those suicidal thoughts around and give you a a pure mind and a pure heart. Come on, somebody. I'm so thankful God doesn't need the faith of others to get you where you need to be. He'll pull a miracle down from heaven with nobody's approval. Come on, somebody. And he'll say, that's what I'm going to do it. Sometimes, sometimes, oh Lord, sometimes we underestimate God's power because we think his power alone is contingent on our faith. Hello? I said, God doesn't need you or anybody else to do what he wants to do. Let me ask you a question. Who gave God permission to create the world? Let me ask you another question. There was no faith at all. How did he create everything without anybody's faith? See, see, you try to say, no, God can't move unless you have faith. He's bigger than your faith. Nobody believed Jupiter into existence. Nobody believed Pluto into existence. No, God just does what he wants with or without your permission. And he said, my word shall not return unto me void. So even when you say that's a man of faith, God says that's still inferior. Because he existed before your faith existed. And he did more than all mankind put together before mankind existed. Are you getting it? I said he was moving when the earth wasn't even formed. And you think your doubt is going to hinder him from delivering you this morning? You think your fears and insecurities are going to hinder him from the no? Whenever God gets ready, there is no human, there is no devil, there is no fear that could stop him from completing the work of God in you. Help me, Holy Ghost. It's like I said years ago, faith gives you access to him, 
but faith is not his only access to you. Before he formed you in the belly, he knew you. He was moving in you before you ever believed in him. Look, look, look. I'm giving y'all a headache right now. I'm going to tell you how I discovered this. Who help me, Holy Ghost. You know, the Bible says in Ezekiel, God says, hey, none of y'all are living right, but look what he said. He says, I'm going to deliver you, but look what he said. I do not this for your sakes, he says, but I do it for my holy name's sake. Sometimes God moves not for you. Sometimes he just moves for himself. Sometimes he doesn't even deliver you just because of you. Sometimes he delivers you because his name is attached to you. And if you don't get delivered, his name's going to look bad. So he's got to step in. Come on, somebody. I said God is able to do what he wants when he wants to. I was preaching in a church several years ago. I was preaching in a church and I was preaching. God told me to just start telling them about miracles, which just all these miracles. And anybody that follows my ministry knows that I don't, I don't talk, I don't do a lot of testimonies. I don't talk about a lot of miracles or anything like that. I, I, just, I just don't do it. I don't know why. I just don't do it. It happens, but I just don't talk about it. I don't know why. I guess the Lord's still working on me. But, but in this particular service, the Lord spoke to me. I want you to share some miracles that I've done. And so I started talking to them about the blinded eyes, you know, deaf ears coming unstop. I started talking about all these miracles and all these things. And, and people were looking at me crazy. There was so much doubt in that place. Everybody was doubting me. They thought I was lying. And I'm like, there, I mean, nothing, no clapping, no amen, nothing. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Victor, if they don't believe me, I will show them. I said, hold on, God, there's no faith here. He said, I know, but you are putting my name up. And they're acting like I can't do it. Can I tell you by the time that service was over, the pastor's wife, deaf ear, came unstop. There were backs and limbs that were straightened. The power of God moved in. There was not an ounce of faith there. But whenever I just said, Jesus, come on somebody. He said, hold on, that's all I need. I'm coming in and I'm about to deliver some people because my name is at stake here. If you believe what I'm saying, can you clap your hands to the Lord? If you believe what I'm saying, can you lift up your voice to the Lord? If you believe what I'm saying, can somebody shout? Can somebody run? Can somebody dance? Can somebody give glory? Hey, in the name of Jesus. Hey.
that demon-possessed man? Saw Jesus afar off. He was far from God. And still God delivered. I said distance doesn't disqualify you. He received a distant man's worship. God, I'm not perfect. God, I haven't done everything right. God, I don't have a lot of faith like I would like to. But I worship you. God says, that's all I was waiting for. Because you're still struggling with demons, but you still worship. Come on. Now i got to deliver you. Every demon, get out of here. Every demon, get out of here. Every demon, get out of here. You are ready. Kamahasaya. Yukorohoshetaya. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody needs to clap, and while you're clapping, you're going to feel chains start falling off of you. Somebody jump, and while you're jumping, you're going to feel shackles fall off of those feet. Every spirit that has tried to sabotage you, every spirit that has tried to kill your family, every spirit that has tried to dispel your faith, I command it to be gone in the name of Jesus. And I command deliverance now. Everyone from the front to the back, you need to stand on your feet and you need to clap with everything in you. I feel a spirit of deliverance. Come on, lift up your voice. I curse every bitter spirit in the name of Jesus. I curse every spirit of unforgiveness. I curse every fatherless spirit. I curse every spirit that has tried to sabotage your kids. I curse pornography. I curse addictions. I curse the drugs. I curse the alcohol. I curse it now in the name of Jesus.
Continue praying. I want everybody in those pews right now, I want you to make your way to the front. I want everybody to clap your hands right now. From the front to the back, I want you to step out of your seat and come forward. You will never be the same. The Lord's about to touch you. The Lord's about to heal you. The Lord's about to change some things around. He's about to curse the spirit of poverty uh, that has followed you for generations. Uh, he's about to curse the spirit of lack. Uh, he's about to release you into a spirit of abundance. Uh, everyone from the front to the back, come forward clapping those hands. Uh, the power of God is about to come on this building.
I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me for a second. I want you to hear me for a second. I remember I was praying to God. I'm telling you, something's about to happen here. I was praying to God. I remember I was praying early one morning. And while I was praying, I realized that I had made commitments to God, things that I wanted to do for Him. Things that I wanted to do for Him, but time and time again, I wasn't able to do it. I kept failing. I kept trying. God, I want to do this for you. I want to do this for you. And I realized that I was in a cycle. And I was in this cycle. And I'm like, God, I've been in this cycle for five years, Lord. I've been struggling trying to do these commitments, these, these devotions, these disciplines for you. And God, I feel like I'm redundant. Like I keep on trying and it's not happening. The Lord showed me. He said, you still have some things in your spirit from your childhood that's hindering you from seeing me in the right way. So God said, Victor, number one, I want you to repent of every sin, of every situation in your life. I want you to repent and ask me to wash it and cleanse it. Ask me to clean up your spirit. And he said, Victor, and I want you to repent for every action that you've made as a result of those hurts that's come out of your life. He said, Victor, there are actions that you have taken in your life that weren't under the influence of my spirit. It was under the influence of hurt. So he said, I want you to renounce those past wounds. I want you to renounce it and repent of every sin you've committed. And he said, I want you to repent of the sins that's com been committed against you. He said, these people that hurt you, they may never repent to me. He said, but your, your spirit has been affected by it. He said, so you just need to repent of it. And just renounce it. Because when you don't renounce it, and you keep walking in those actions. You start walking in the curse that others have spoken over you. Well, they said, you're dumb. You'll never do anything. And as a child, you heard that. And those words begin to dictate your steps. And you never thought you could do anything or be anything. Or you've been walking in that curse. Am I talking to somebody out there? He said, Victor, you need to re repent 
and renounce every curse off of your life. I repent it and I renounce those curses. And when I did that, he said, now, worship me. And let me tell you what happened. This is what happened to that demon-possessed man. When he went and worshiped, it was a signal to the enemy that the devil was done in his life. And his worship was an invitation for God to come in and take the devil's place. God, your worship is an invitation for God to come in where the enemy can never come in again to try to destroy you. So uh, today, this morning, I hope you know me by now that I don't do the same thing every service. I try to follow the Holy Ghost. This isn't some cookie-cutter, manufactured thing that I'm doing. I'm being led by the Holy Ghost. We're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to repent together. you've never seen yourself being wrong that means there's a wound that's happened in your past come on if you always have to defend yourself I'm talking to you there's a wound speaking on your behalf because there's people that say Brother Jackson, I can't think of any sin that I've committed that's a wound talking you know why because you're afraid to be guilty and you're afraid to be a victim. We're going to ask God to forgive us and we're going to renounce every curse off of our lives. But when we pray, I don't want you to meditate right now. There's a time for meditation. I want you to open up your mouth and ask God for forgiveness and ask him to cleanse you. There's a healing oil in this place this morning. I'm just trying to help you to get it. And this is how we're going to do it. Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I turn away from it. And I turn to you. I turn away from those thoughts. And I turn to your thoughts. I turn away from these thoughts things and these thoughts that I've had about myself that aren't accurate, these imaginations, and I turn to you, your word, your will for my life. I want everyone to lift up both hands, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to open your mouth and ask the Lord to forgive you and begin to renounce some things off of your life. Lift up those hands, close your eyes. Open your mouth right now. You don't have to name your sins, but you do have to ask them to forgive you. Come on. This is important to the spirit of deliverance that's coming in here. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me and cleanse me. 
I'm sorry for these things that's been on my spirit. I'm sorry for these things that's been in my heart. I repent. I repent. I need you, Jesus. Come on, open up your mouth. It's between you and the Lord. Nobody can do this for you. Wash me and cleanse me, God. I renounce every curse off of my life. This curse stops with me. It's not coming to my daughter. It's not coming to my son. It's not coming to my grandkids. I'm taking care of it right now for a lifetime. I repent of my sins. I repent of these hurts. I renounce these curses off of my life. I renounce the effects of that curse. I repent of it now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I repent. Come on, talk to them. There's something beginning to build. Come on, talk to them. God, forgive me. God, wash me and cleanse me. I turn away. This is my new start. This is my new beginning. God, I need you to do something in me. 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 Cleanse me, Jesus. Cleanse me and wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me and wash me, Jesus. Hamahoshikaya. Hallelujah. about to happen in a moment as we're about to worship in a moment tell you what's about to happen. We've repented. We've renounced some things. In a moment, we're about to worship. When we worship, chains are about to fall all across this place. There are people that are going to be healed. There are going to be people that are set free. There are people that are going to get their joy back. All these things are about to happen. 
while we were praying, I'm going to tell you what the, I heard the Lord speak to me. The Lord said that while we were praying, there are people in this place that are saying in their spirit that they're ready to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There are people here that have been attending for a few services where you've heard preached across this pulpit that the only way to be baptized is in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission. Everyone say remission of your sins. That means the washing away as if the things that happen to your life as if they never happen. That's what happens when you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. When you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by immersion, where they say, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of the sins. When you go under that water and come back up, all of your history stays in that water. And you come up out of that water as if it never happened as a new creature. Now, we're about to pray in a moment, but the Lord said there's people here that not only need to be baptized, but that are ready to be baptized and that want to be baptized. Because there's people saying, I'm done with these addictions. I'm done trying to do it my way. I'm done with the opinions of others. If you're baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, no one in the Bible was baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Everyone was baptized in the name of Jesus because the power is in the name. It's not in the titles. You don't cast out a devil in the Father. You don't cast out a devil's son. You don't have cast out a devil with the Holy Ghost. You cast out the devil in the name. I want you to ask the person next to you right now where you are. I want you to ask them, have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Ask the person next to you right now in this altar. Ask them, how were you baptized? Ask them, come on, talk. Ask them, how were you baptized? If they don't remember how they were baptized, you need to grab their hand and say, it's time for you to be baptized. We got robes for you. If they were baptized as a baby, tell them no one in the Bible was baptized as a baby. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It'll be a fresh start. If they said no, I want you to grab their hand and I want you to bring them either to the front or up on this platform and say it's time to get baptized in Jesus' name. There's people here that need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Come to the front if you'd like to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We're about to pray. There's deliverance that's about to come. If you'd like to be baptized in the name of Jesus, I want you to come join me on this platform. Come up these steps. There's stairways right here. Come on this platform. 
Ask him, do you know how you were baptized? Tell him it's only in the name. There's people that are ready. There's people that are ready. There's people that you see, you see what we can't, we came up against some shackles. Hello? We came up against those shackles. There's only one way to be baptized, and that's in the name of Jesus. Come on, you can come on the platform. Can you clap your hands for these that are coming? There's more. You can, whoever. Come on, can you clap your hands for these that are coming? There's more. There's more. Let me tell you there's more. Let me tell you there's more. Some people are saying right now, well, well, that's not how my mom was baptized. That's not how we did it there or here. You want to obey the Bible way over your family way. Can you clap your hands for these that are coming? There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. It's not a disrespect to your heritage to take on the name of Jesus in baptism. It's not a disrespect to your family to take on the name of Jesus in baptism. I'm telling you, when that name gets applied, clap your hands for these that are coming. I'm telling you, when that name gets applied to your life, hear me as a testimony. The Bible says when you get baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. When I tried to take care of these shackles myself, I was powerless. But when I received his spirit, and when I took on his name in baptism, he empowered me to live right. Some people are saying right now, Brother Jackson, let me get my life together first before I make this decision. You can't get, you don't have the power to get your life together. Let God empower you and let him get your life together. There's more. There's more. There's more. You feel it. I feel you tugging. I'm pulling on you. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't hear your spirit crying out for change. There's more. Okay. I want everybody to lift up your hands where you are right now. Halabuhushetaya. What's going to happen in a moment is we're going to worship. And when we worship, we are letting the devil know that it's over. And we are letting God know that we're ready. When you worship, you're going to feel God come down and fill you. You're going to feel to speak in something you don't understand. That's the Holy Ghost. You just let it out. That is the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's speaking in tongues. Don't try to hold it in. You just let it out. That's the power of God that's flowing through you. Can you lift up those hands? And can you just lift up your voice and worship? God is coming and inhabit you right now. 
Be delivered in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's say, grab the hand of somebody near you and just worship him, lifting your voice together. There is an anointing that is beginning to sweep over this building. You will never be the same. Devil, take your hands off of their life. They are going to be free and in the abundant life of the Lord. I lose the spirit of deliverance now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Be made whole. Be made whole. Be delivered.